All right, ready? Rock and roll. Welcome back to the RGV Sports Podcast. My name is Andrew McCullough. I'm a sports reporter for The Monitor and RGVsports.com, based right here in sunny McAllen, Texas. And I'm joined by my partner today. My name is Brian Ramos. I'm a sports writer covering uh, all sports here in the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, this football season, I've been going hard on that 5A football. So we're happy to be here with you. Uh, We just had a loaded week of of games, uh, five out of seven days of the week. So we're happy to be here with you, breaking everything down and giving you a look at what's to come next week. Andrew, how, how are you feeling? It's been a little bit of a football overload these past couple of days, but it's a good thing. I've, uh, especially these past few days, it's been nice to have football as a distraction. I mean, let's jump right into it, Brian. This was a weird week. We're, no, we're used to seeing Friday night lights, maybe the occasional Thursday or Saturday game, but this week kind of had games all over the map. Uh, we had those games plus some weird ones on Monday and Wednesday. Uh, why don't you kick it off for us and tell us about the first of many games you were at this past week? Yeah, so we had some Wednesday night football, and usually that's reserved for the MAC uh, up, up there in the upper Midwest, uh, uh, those, those football teams up there in the Ohio area. But we got some Wednesday night football here for ourselves, and it was uh, some District 16 5A D1 action, man. And um, I was in McAllen. Uh, the, the Bulldogs hosted the La Jolla Palm View Lobos, who you got to give uh, congratulations to them for getting back on the football field for what was their first game of the season after, of course, everything they went through um, over the summer and having football canceled and then back on all because of COVID. So, um, yeah, good to see Palm View back on the field. And uh, they got to play the Bulldogs, man. It, it was a dogfight, the Lobos and the Bulldogs. And uh, Mackay jumped up early. Uh, they look like a team that has – uh, some games under their belt that had some games under their belt while Palm View looked uh, a little bit rusty. Although Palm View did score on, on their first drive uh, of the game, uh, Mackay did a good job of really shutting them out a- uh, afterwards. And uh, Mackay, uh, quarterback Hunter Curl, uh, kept that offense moving, uh, kept, the, uh, kept the Bulldogs uh, making positive plays. And uh, they ended up with uh, two rushing touchdowns from Danny Casades. Hunter Crow runs for one and throws another touchdown to Caleb Killian. And the Bulldogs pull out a 28-21 win uh, to earn what was the Bulldogs' first win of the season. So um, that put them at one and two. They had another game they squeezed in there Monday. We'll save that for a little bit later. But, uh, yeah, this game was their first win of the year after they moved to 0-2. And, and they lost a kind of heartbreaker there to McAllen Memorial uh, after the game. Speaking to Coach Shelby, he was – uh, proud of the way these guys responded and were, were able to bounce back and lock up that first win. This game was also significant for, for a variety of reasons that you alluded to there with Palmview returning to the field. But as part of that storyline, too, it meant the return of one of the Rio Grande Valley's most accomplished football players uh, made his return, and he looked really sharp in doing it. Why don't you tell us what you saw from Palmview's Carlos Pena? Yeah, All-State running back and uh, rushed for over 2,000 yards last year in 11 games for the Lobos. And uh, this year, I mean, he, he was up to his old tricks. Uh, rushed for close to 200 yards, about 182 yards, and finished with the game with three touchdowns. But, um, yeah, he, he looked good. Um, but Palmview, I mean, it, it was their first game of the season. And they looked like it, no scrimmages, just practicing against themselves. That, that's all they've been doing. So, um, 
Palm Beach trying to get things together, but Carlos Pena definitely uh, got off to a really good start there, um, close to 200 yards and three touchdowns there for the Lobos here in game one. Uh, and uh, Lobos 0-1 there in District 16, 5A, D1. These are some West Zone matchups um, there in District 16, 5A, D1. So uh, Mackay moved to 1-1, and and this put Palm View at 0-1 in district play. And then there was another uh, good game we had uh, there Wednesday. Uh, the McCallum Row Warriors, Andrew, making the trip to Brownsville to take on the Brownsville Veterans Chargers. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about how that one went down? Yeah, this was a fun one to watch. Uh, our colleague in the East Valley, Claire Cruz, was covering this one live and wrote up a great game story on it. But I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to watch some football at home on Wednesday night. So I was watching a lot of this one. And I was really impressed by Rose's composure, especially down the stretch. They had a rough first two weeks playing against those two Sherryland schools on the road, two very explosive offenses that are hard to keep up with. But I thought in Rose's first two games of the season, they showed a lot of fight, particularly in the second half. And that offense really turns it on around the fourth quarter. And that's what happened in this one, too, against the Chargers. Uh, Brownsville Vets launched a really impressive drive towards the very end of the game. I think they scored with around five minutes left on the clock. They went about the length of the field, 80 yards to score and take the lead on row. Looked like it put them safely ahead by a touchdown, but the Warriors responded by driving similarly 80 yards right down the field in crunch time, scoring with, I think, a little under two minutes to go and taking a narrow lead, which they ended up winning by uh, 28-21 the final in that one. Really good game all the way around. I mean, Brownsville Vets and Rowe. Uh, have both found themselves in a lot of close games this year and two teams that certainly uh, plug in to a large degree in the uh, District 16-5A D1 playoff picture. Certainly two teams to keep an eye on as we continue throughout the rest of this season. Uh, Brian, you caught another really good one on Thursday. This was actually our game of the week. What did you see in Wesselka? Yeah, so uh, the Wesselka East Wildcats make their 2020 debut and it's uh... – and it was a good one, man. And they had a tough test in front of them against a, a really game Brownsville Pace team that is led by three-year starter uh, Jose Bamba at the quarterback position. And, uh, yeah, Westico had a scrimmage a few weeks back, but nothing since. So this is their first game action in uh, definitely over a few weeks, almost three weeks. So, uh, yeah, good to see them back on the football field. And, uh, yeah, you got some Westico East football. That, that's definitely what we got out of this game. Uh, they were running the ball well. Uh, we saw their new weapon, Avery Bowen, uh, really get going. They, they lined him up at running back. They lined him up at quarterback. And they let him do a little bit of everything. He, he threw one touchdown pass, rushed for 120 rushing yards, and scored uh, or had one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. So really good debut for him. But, I mean, this offense, uh, they just looked on fire. They, they were in control. They were up 20-7 uh, and a half, and then they just built on their lead um, there in the second half, although Brownsville pace did come back strong to make it interesting late. But, uh, man, Westco East, uh, they looked really good. Gio Guetta has 115 yards and one rushing touchdown. But uh, their defense, when they needed it most, they came up big. Um, Got to give a shout-out to twin uh, brothers and Westco East defenders, uh, linebacker and defensive back Gianni and Gio Giovanni Barrera, who uh, one, had a rush one had a pick six return for a touchdown, the other returned a blocked extra point for two points for West Coast East. And that's how we got to the final score, 44 to 34. 
So West Coast looked good, man. And um, like I said, had, hadn't had much uh, game time this year. So they looked really good going up against a, a really tough pace team who brought it. Jose Banda finished with 80 yards and a rushing touchdown, 180 passing yards and a touchdown. And so, yeah, just it was a really good game between these two teams who were fighting for the top spot there in the uh, east zone of District 16-5A D1. So uh, West Coast got another test coming up. We'll get to that in a bit. But, yeah, it, this was a really good game for West East. 44-34. Uh, congrats to the Wildcats on the win. I uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, West East looked impressive in that first win. Uh, they take a, a share of the driver's seat there in 16-5A D1's east zone. Uh, like Brian alluded to, they got another big one coming up this week that we'll get to in a little bit. But I was fortunate enough to see – Another 16-5A D1 team, this time in the West Zone in action on Thursday night as the McGowan Memorial Mustangs hosted the PSJ North Raiders in another weird last-second matchup. This one comes together because the Mustangs were on a scheduled bye and the Raiders had their Tri-City Classic rivalry game against the PSJ High Bears canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. But this was a great matchup and – you know, on an intriguing level, I thought it pitted two of the Valley's best uh, offensive and defensive minds against each other in this one. Talking about McGowan Memorial's head coach, Bill Littleton, and PSJ Memorial defensive coordinator and his son, Will Littleton. Uh, kind of an interesting chess match there, father and son, and you have one of the Valley's best rushing attacks on one side and one of the Valley's best rushing defenses opposing it. Uh, kind of the unstoppable force meets the immovable object analogy, if you will. Um, but I really thought it was the Mustangs rushing attack that won out in this one, and that's no disrespect to the Raiders' defense, who certainly kept it close throughout. But I thought uh, Ethan Garcia and especially Andrew Salinas in the backfield looked really sharp in this one. Salinas ran for three touchdowns, really leading the charge for McCown Memorial. Uh, ultimately, the touchdown seals it from this one, though, came from a Mustangs wide receiver. Marcus De Ochoa scores in the fourth quarter on a must-have touchdown to put the Mustangs up by two possessions on a little sneaky reverse there in the backfield that gets him into the end zone from, I believe it was about 35 yards out. Um, certainly you can count on Coach Littleton to always have a little bit of trickeration up his sleeve. That was ultimately the score that proved the difference in this one, but I was pretty impressed with what the Raiders brought to the table they were dropped to two and two on the season in this one. Uh, they played some tough opponents so far with their two losses being at McAllen Memorial and at Mercedes in their season opener, which was also one of our previous games of the week. Uh, but they won a pair of district games in between then, and they're a hard team to get a read on, I think, because they play good defense and they've got a good rushing attack. Uh, it's just an, a matter of stringing together a little more consistency, I think, offensively. Uh, Freshman quarterback Sergio Aparicio for the Raiders really surprised me again in this one in a pleasant way. I mean, this guy has turned into a baller. I mean, we didn't even know if he was going to be the Raiders starting quarterback coming into week one, and now he's looking like maybe one of the best underclassmen at the position throughout the Valley. He had a lot of rushing yards in this one and a lot of passing yards. Uh, really led the Raiders on – uh, a charge late in this one that made it exciting towards the end, but ultimately McGowan Memorial prevails. They hold on to the top spot in that 16-5A uh, D1 West zone for the time being, 
and get an impressive non-district win against a former district opponent. And there are two other games Thursday night that we had on tap. One was in 31-6A, and it was a rivalry game between Edinburgh North and Edinburgh Economides. This was the second straight rivalry game in a row for Economides, but unfortunately for them, it was the Cougars rolling to a big victory in this one. Um, kind of nice to see Edinburgh North uh, separate themselves against an opponent after playing in several tense close games these first couple weeks against PSJ High and PSJ North that were both decided on the final possession. Uh, one of those, the Cougars won on defense. Another, the Raiders won on offense. But uh, Edinburgh North improves to 2-1 and one in district play and keeps pace in a crowded playoff picture. And then the other Thursday game, Brownsville-Porter improves to 3-0 and by getting a big win over district rival Brownsville-Lopez, 44-12, uh, the final in that one. Uh, Brian had the primetime game on Friday night, too, perhaps one of the Rio Grande Valley's top rivalry games. Brian, what did you see in this one? Yeah, Mercedes and Ed Cachelsa, it's always a treat anytime you get to see this rivalry. It doesn't matter what sport it is, they're always going to bring it. And, uh, yeah, luckily this was on the football field. And uh, this one, Ed Cachelsa hosted, so it was uh, at their place. And uh, they jumped out to a big lead early. They, they jumped out on the uh, Mercedes Tigers 14-0 before I think even the Tigers knew it. Um, that they were forced a, a three and out. Uh, their Tigers were, they received the ball to open the game, forced a punt. Uh, Ed Couch also drives down and scores a touchdown. Next play, next possession for Mercedes, they get one first down and then they got a punt. So, and Ed Couch also does the same thing, uh, takes the ball and scores. That was uh, Justin Galan and Sean Alvarado with two first half touchdowns uh, for Ed Couch also to, to give them uh, that, that 14-0 lead going into the second quarter. But, uh, the guy who, who for Mercedes really got things going in, in this rivalry game was uh, running back Miguel Jimenez, uh, a junior running back who had uh, 160 yards, three rushing touchdowns, had two of them there uh, in the second quarter, which really brought Mercedes back to life um, and, and really sparked them after getting off to a, a kind of a sluggish uh, start offensively. And then uh, defensively, um, in the second half, they make some adjustments, only give up one touchdown to Ed Couchelsa, and that offense, uh, Mercedes, uh, from Mercedes, um, they, they found their rhythm, and that, that's all it takes. And uh, they end up uh, winning the game uh, on a, a touchdown pass from uh, Michael Cisneros to Josiah Cantu. Um, they had him lined up in uh, man coverage, in single coverage in the slot, and he just beat his man, and Cisneros found him, and, and that was uh, what put the – two touchdown distance in between these teams. So it was just a, a really good game. Mercedes wins this one, 34-21. Uh, to 21. It's Merce the Mercedes Tigers' seventh straight win in this rivalry over Ed Cachosa, who, like you said, man, this is one of the uh, most bitter rivalries we have here in the Valley. These, these guys do not like each other, but it, it's always fun to see them, man, because I think it, um, it does bring, bring the best out of both of them. And uh, Ed Cachosa showed their potential early in the first half. And uh, I think Mercedes showed theirs there in the second half. So um, just a good showing, a good rivalry game, uh, a classic one between the, these two teams who went down to the wire there in the fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, I, I was excited to see this one. And uh, the Mercedes Tigers now 4-0 on the year, 2-0 in District 16-5 AD1. So they lead that East zone um, while the Ed Cochelsea Yellow Jackets fall to 0-1. That was their first district game. So, 
Um, yeah, congrats to Mercedes, man. They're, they're rolling. They're, I believe, our uh, number five team in the monitor in the monitors or the RGB Sports top ten pool, and they look like it, man. They had to battle some adversity, and uh, they overcame it against Ed Couch Elson. Yeah, uh, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, I mean, I know Mercedes is nearing the end of their regular season slate. You've seen them twice. I've seen them twice. To me, they've been one of the most impressive teams, not only in the Valley, but in the whole of South Texas so far uh, throughout the early part of this season. Uh, And it's certainly looking like they're going to – I mean, weirder things have happened, right? But it's looking like they'll play their way into that 16-5A D2 title game. Uh, Brian, how how, uh, optimistic are you about how far these Tigers can go? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they'll go as, as far as uh, as these. I mean, they're they're loaded on both sides of the ball, man. They, they have good athletes everywhere. They got experience everywhere. And uh, come playoff time, that's what's required. Come district championship time, I know we got a playing game. So if they do make it there to the playing game, whoever they may play, whether it be um, Sherryland Pioneer, Sherryland High, Mission Veterans, Roma, uh, whoever it may be, um, that's going to be an exciting one, man. Because Mercedes does not play. Uh, boring football games uh they're definitely lighting it up they play good defense uh they create turnovers and uh yeah they, they can score from anywhere on the field so an exciting football team to watch so we'll see how how they uh move on going forward and we'll see what the other side of that uh the other zone in that district looks like as we approach that uh play in week uh the week of December 7th so yeah really looking forward to whoever we see in that matchup and then Andrew uh, I know you were at a a good match, a uh, good match of Friday night. Another team making their debut. Um, why don't you tell us about the Westlaco High Panthers? Absolutely, Westlaco got back to the field on Friday night, and uh, I, I had to check on this one. But out of the 128 teams at the Class 6A level to make the state playoffs last year, the Westlaco High Panthers were the last one to make their official return to the gridiron. Uh, finishing behind Westlaco East by just a day, but excited to get back out there and play nonetheless. Uh, I thought it really showed how ready they were to go by the kind of start they got off to. Westlaco scores on their first three possessions of the game, seizes an authoritative 21-0 lead uh, by the beginning, really, of the second quarter, and it was kind of lights out from there. I mean, this defense looked really sharp. They pitched the first half shutout. I was really impressed by uh, maybe the best linebacker tandem in 32-6A that I've seen so far between uh, seniors Josh Burkett and Jesse Perez. Burkett was kind of having a party in the backfield all night, whether it was stopping rushers behind the line of scrimmage or getting to the quarterback. Uh, I mean, he's got the size really to play defensive end and the speed to play safety. So they stuck him at linebacker, and he's kind of a problem. Uh, for opposing offenses. He's a difficult guy to game plan for. And I thought Jesse Perez was equally impressive. He had maybe the most impressive interception I've seen so far this season. He wrestled the ball out of someone's hands and ran it back for six. Uh, Ultimately, he got called back due to a block in the back on the return, but the interception stood. And uh, I was kind of impressed by that takeaway, to tell you the truth. Uh, The real stars of the night, though, as far as Westco was concerned, I thought, were senior quarterback Rodney Garza and senior running back Jesse Hernandez. Uh, These guys are accomplished football players in their own right, Uh, but I know a lot of people outside of Westlaco had questions after, of course, the Panthers lose 
a, a quarterback and a running back last year that we selected to our all area team at the monitor. Um, so certainly big shoes to fill, but I thought these guys were up to the challenge in their first game this year. They combined for all four of West Coast touchdowns. They each get a pair of short rushing touchdowns to start the game in the first quarter, puts the Panthers up 14 to zero. Then on their third drive of the night, they hook up on a 30-yard uh, screen pass touchdown, puts them up 21-0. And then uh, maybe the most impressive touchdown of the whole night was uh, Hernandez taking one 88 yards to the house on the first play of the Panthers' drive, uh, I think, to start the third quarter. Um, Harlingen South came alive kind of in the fourth quarter in this one. They scored two late touchdowns. One was with under a minute to go. So kind of made it look a little bit closer than it was towards the end. Uh, that sets up a big matchup this coming week in 32-6A, which we will get to. But I thought the Panthers, despite a couple of delays, uh, both you know in the summer and in their preseason and now in the regular season because of COVID reasons, uh, I thought despite all those hurdles and hoops they had to jump through to get there, they looked very impressive in their first game back. Um, and I think – they should definitely be a threat in a crowded 32-6A to get back to the postseason um, and potentially play for a district championship, although we'll talk about that in a little bit. Brian, there are two big consequential results on Friday night, too, in District uh, 16-4A D1 that I think we need to talk about. One secured a playoff berth for one team, and one, uh, in essence, split a district title. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Yeah, uh, let's start with uh, the district championship, man. Uh, Hidalgo uh, and, and Zapata, two uh, two teams who are in, into the playoffs. And um, you got Hidalgo coming up this week, so why don't you tell us how this one went down, Andrew? Yeah, this was an interesting one. I thought stylistically it's a weird matchup, right, because you got the Hidalgo sort of flex bone, gritty, we're going to run on you offense versus Zapata's air raid system. Uh, certainly not a – uh, an apples to orange or more of an apples to oranges comparison than anything. Uh, but this one was back and forth throughout. It was kind of a low scoring game, which I think alludes to the fact that I think these two teams probably for my money have the most impressive defenses that I've seen in this particular district. Um, so I don't think that's hugely surprising to anyone who watches a lot of foray football here in the Valley. Uh, but I was surprised that the Hawks were able to pull the upset. I mean, Give credit to them. They've beaten some big teams this year. They moved to 5-1 and one on the year now. Um, their only loss being to LaFaria on the road. But, I mean, they have a couple big wins over Rio Grande City on the road, now Hidalgo at home. Um, uh, they have a tough first-round draw, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I think the Hawks are an underrated team, and I think they're going to be a tough out for anyone who plays them just because when you go up against an offense like that that can score so quickly uh, – I think it's hard to ever count an opponent like that out of a game, especially a close one like this that seemed like it was back and forth. Um, the Pirates will look to rebound, of course, this week. This game doesn't change any of the seeding scenarios as Hidalgo retains the top seed in that district going into the playoffs, Leferia at number two, Zapata at number three, but it does splinter the district crown three ways. So the Pirates, Lions, and Hawks share a three-way district title there, 16-4A D1. And then the other two teams in that district, the Kingsville Kings Brahmas, I'm sorry, the Kingsville King Brahmas 
And the Gruy Gators were also playing Friday night with a lot on the line. Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about this one? Yeah, so uh, this one, uh, a lot on the line. Uh, win and get in uh, or lose and your season is over. And so it, it was a, a really good game here between uh, Gruya and Kingsville King. Um, King jumped up uh, 10 points early on Gruya, but uh, the, the Gators, they surged there in that second quarter. Three touchdowns in the second quarter um, to go to halftime leading 21-17. And then uh, once you storm back in a game like that, um, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to get the momentum on your side. And they definitely came out and finished that in the second half. Um, so they go from uh, down uh, 17-7 there in, in the first half to winning 28-20. And Gruyak clinches uh, the playoff berth there in District 16-4A D2. The final play, D1, excuse me, the final playoff berth. Um, so, yeah, a, a good win for Gruyak. They knew, hey, man, if we, if we want to get in, we have to win this game. It's it's there's no if ands or buts. We got to win this game, and they did it, man. Uh, they scored on had a punt return for a touchdown and uh, a 50 yard run. Uh, so uh, got to give credit to Gruya. Um, they won the game that mattered the most, and uh, congratulations to them on a playoff berth. And um, unfortunately, we got we got some news that uh, this this was Gruya's last game. Although they did make the playoffs, uh, we we have confirmed that. Uh, the Gators season is over due to COVID issues within the, within the team. So um, they were set to play Cal Allen next week in the first round of the playoffs. That game will not happen as uh, the Gruya Gators are forced to forfeit. But, um, hey, man, that spot went to one team, and, and they earned it, man. So, um, you know what I mean? No matter how the season ended, I know they didn't get to, to – they might not get to play this playoff game. But, hey, they, they got the shirt that says Gruya Gators 2020-2021 playoffs. You know what I mean? So they did it. They, they set out to make the playoffs, and, and they accomplished it. So um, congratulations to them in, in this weird season, and uh, hope everything uh, turns out safely there for that program, man. So, um, yeah, that, that's the 4A playoff picture. And then we also had uh, Raymondville, who was scheduled to play Port Isabel. That game does not happen, so Raymondville takes that playoff berth. Um, so uh, congratulations to Raymondville for, for moving on. And then just to quickly touch on two 32-6A games, uh, we saw a couple big blowouts there um, in 32-6A, Andrew. Uh, you you want to touch on those for a sec? Yeah. Uh, the first one really surprised me, to tell you the truth. The first one that I want to talk about is San Benito really, really taking it to Los Fresno, 60-8, to the final score in that one. Uh, these are a pair of teams who had both lost to Brownsville Hannah um, in close games but I thought still had a lot to prove. Both look like they're going to be playoff teams potentially this year. Uh, Los Fresnos also had a big win earlier in the season, I believe, in their season opener against Brownsville Rivera before the Raiders had some COVID concerns that forced them to cancel some games. Um, but, I mean, wow. The Greyhounds really came out and just totally laid it on. Falcons, uh, I mean, this was kind of unexpected to me. I expected this to be a really close game with a lot to play for for both teams um, as both of them are kind of jostling for position there in those seeding games uh, in 32-6A where the second-place team in the East and West zone will host the third-place team from the opposite side. So these two teams here potentially playing for a home game there in that zone uh, play-in weekend. Uh, but, man, I mean – San Benito was really proving that they wanted to get their first win of the season, and they did it in very impressive fashion. 
Um, that Greyhounds defense, I think, is going to be a problem for some people later in the year. I mean, even against Brownsville, Hannah, that was a pretty low-scoring game with the Golden Eagles pulling out on top in that one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, wow, impressive. The only one that was maybe more impressive was Harlingen High doing roughly the same thing to Donna North. They beat the Chiefs 66-6. to uh, Harlingen High now scored their opponents – 110 to 12 in their opening three games. Um, certainly boasting one of the Valley's best defenses there. Uh, they pitched a shutout in the Bird Bowl against Harlingen South, and they gave up six points respectively against Donna North and the Gal Memorial in a pair of big wins. So kudos to those guys. We'll touch on a little bit more small school action on Friday night as Taft top Santa Rosa in their uh, playoff play-in weekend. Um, and then Brownsville Joseph, Brownsville St. Joseph, sorry, uh, fell on the road to Corpus Christi, John Paul II, 49-34, the final score in that Taps district game. And then we were blessed with one Saturday afternoon day game at Tom Landry's Hall of Fame Stadium. Brian was on hand to see this one. Brian, tell us what you saw. Yeah, so after a, a two-week absence uh, from the football field, <clears throat> Mission Veterans makes its return uh, against Roma in a District 65 AD2 matchup. And it was a good one, man. Uh, they, they didn't look like a team that hadn't played in two weeks as uh, Mission Veterans put up 50 points in a 50-23 to 23 win uh, over Roma. Uh, they just jumped up on, on them early. They go up uh, to halftime, I believe. It was 35-0. Uh, to, uh, to zero. Then Roma scores three touchdowns late there in the second half. But after speaking to Coach Gilpin, he was happy. He got all his guys in there. Everybody was suited up, got some game action. So in these uh, shortened season where no games are guaranteed, he got to get all his guys in there and, you know what I mean, get them some game action. So, um, yeah, a good win for the Patriots. Uh, junior quarterback Ricky Reyna throws for 320 yards and four passing touchdowns. And uh, A.J. Gonzalez does what A.J. Gonzalez does, uh, five catches for 67 yards and one touchdown. And that's uh, with a lot of double coverage and safety shaded his way and everything. But um, the guy who had really had a breakout game for Mission Veterans out of that receiving corp uh, was Justin Rodriguez. Five catches, 139 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, so a, a really big day for him. And uh, Mission Veterans also showed off that they can run the ball because um, their only game that they played so far was against Edinburgh Bella. They rushed for a whopping two yards in that game. Well, in this one, they rush for 139 yards. Uh, two different guys break off long touchdown runs in uh, Eric Estrada and Noah Garcia to get in the end zone. And then Ricky Reyna adds another uh, rushing touchdown. So um, the Mission Veterans offense, uh, you know what I mean? They went up against Bella to make them a better team down the stretch. And here they are two weeks later in their first game since. And they look like a better team. So uh, congratulations to them. Uh, and then Roma, man, um, they've had uh, two uh, – tough games uh, to open up their season uh, la last week against Pioneer this week against Mission Veterans and so those are two of the, the top teams not just in their district but in the Valley and uh, but uh, like I said uh, Roma uh, moving their offense to a really run heavy offense from a, a spread based offense last year and uh, Sebastian Garza comes on with eight carries for 117 yards and two rushing touchdowns as uh, the Gladiators run for 315 total yards as a team. So uh, 50, 50 to 23 win for Mission Veterans. And uh, 
they look they, they look good, man. Um, if anybody was doubting them or um, you know what I mean, uh, laugh, laughing uh, about them after they played Edinburgh Bella, it was best to get those jokes in then because I mean this team does what they do. They they, they bounce back and they're not afraid of taking some licks, taking some lumps. Uh, they're going to keep coming at you, and uh, here they are now one and zero in District Sixteen Five A D Two action. So that was a Saturday game. Had a, a little bit of a college feel to it. We got a few more Saturday games coming up this next week, so we'll get into those in a bit. But we had some Monday night football here in the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, two games that come down to one score. Um, Andrew, I'll, I'll let you start off. Uh, you had uh, with, with your game because it was a rivalry game. So anytime it's a rivalry game, got to give that one a little bit of an edge. So um, why don't you break this one down between Mackay and McAllen Rowe? Yeah, this one was a fun one. It was uh, Monday Night Football, McAllen style. Uh, it was a really fun one to watch. For me, uh, it was kind of two of the most explosive offenses in the Valley, in my opinion, But when you see the Warriors and Bulldogs match up. Uh, and it kind of showed from the opening jump, I thought. Mackay scored on the first drive of the game. Hunter Curl gets it in on a QB sneak. And then uh, Rowe proceeds to score, I think, on their next three drives. Uh, Senior running back Nick Meehan, I mean, Brian, you saw him the first couple weeks, but, man, this kid can run. Uh, and, I mean, it wasn't just him. It was really that three-headed monster they have in the backfield of him, Lorenzo Lopez, and the rest of those running backs. Um, but I also thought both of the Warriors quarterbacks, Mateo Giannis and James Gomez, who appeared in this one, both looked really sharp. Senior wideout David Savage also made his return, made some, a couple nice catches in this one. Uh, so did Gustavo Cruz, their tight end, who's banged up a little bit there in week one, but is now back out there contributing in a big way. Um, Warriors really ran the ball all over the place in this one. I think they tallied over 400 total yards on the ground. By the end of the game, they score five rushing touchdowns. Meehan scores three in the first half, and they end up taking a 24-10 to 10 lead into the half. But Mackay played a really strong second half and made this extra competitive down the stretch. Uh, Curl led the Bulldogs on three scoring drives in the second half. He scores on a rushing touchdown. He scores on a long passing touchdown. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the Bulldogs had another rushing touchdown uh, towards the end of the fourth quarter. Ultimately, though, it was James Gomez who put the nail in the coffin in this one. Uh, with the Warriors already up a touchdown, he rumbled down the sideline for a 65-yard touchdown. On the first play of Rose Drive in the middle of the fourth quarter, it put them up by two touchdowns. The Bulldogs march down the field, score one, get a key stop, but burn all their timeouts to get that stop. They get the ball back uh, on their own side of the field, and they go, I believe it was about 45 yards from about their own 35 to the edge of the red zone. Um, ultimately, they get two shots at the end zone because they have to use two spikes to clock the ball in first and second down. Uh, and the Bulldogs' uh, prayer, Hail Mary pass, essentially. I mean, it wasn't a Hail Mary because it's a 20-yard pass, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, their last-second heave for a win or a game-tying score ultimately went just a bit too far out of the back of the end zone on fourth down. The Bulldogs turned the ball over on downs with 10 seconds left in the game in the shadow of the Warriors' goalpost. But Rowe earns their second consecutive win uh, with only five days in between these two games, that's an impressive amount of layoff time. They score a 38-31 rivalry game. 
win over Mackay, and they move into first place for the time being in 16-5A D1's West Zone. But Brian saw perhaps even a better game in 16-5A D1's West Zone on Monday night. Brian, why don't you tell us about this one? Yeah, so uh, Donna, after a little bit of an absence uh, for them, they also make their return uh, to the football field, and they take on La Jolla Palmview, who hosts this game at their high school. Um, and it, it was a good game, man. Palmview jumped up early um, uh, uh, on Donna, and it was on the legs of Carlos Spaniel, man. The, uh, that running back, he's a beast, had uh, close to 200 yards rushing. Didn't get in the end zone. That Donna uh, defense did a really good job. There are multiple times that Palmview offense was threatening in the red zone, but they did their job and buckled down and able to force some turnover, uh, some turnovers on down. So, um, yeah, just a, a, a really fun game uh, from the from the beginning. Palmview takes a, a ten to six lead into the locker room, and then they open the second half with a strip sack and a scoop and score on the same play. Miguel Alanis and Ramon Ortiz, uh, two defensive linemen for Palmview, team up on that one. And they return it for about a 40-yard touchdown, a defensive touchdown. So anytime the defense can get in on the scoring fund, that's a boost. And uh, the, the Lobos definitely needed that boost last night. But still, down 17-6, to six, uh, two possessions, uh, Donna showed no quit. We saw them in, in their uh, week that their uh, opening game where they played Brownsville Porter. They dropped 27-20 uh, to 20 to what is now a 3-0 and Brownsville Porter team who is a I think we can, it's, it's clear that is a good border team. Um, but, yeah, and here in this one, uh, Donna down 11 late. They show, they show no quit, and uh, they move downfield. Uh, running back Alana Deyes has 170 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving, has uh, one rushing touchdown and one receiving touchdown. Um, just a, a really good performance by him. And then uh, so we get late to the fourth quarter. Pombu's up. Their running game isn't, isn't really working anymore. They, they're, they're struggling to move those chains. And that Donna defense has, has really found something that's working. And uh, the, Donna, the Donna defense, um, they give the ball back to their offense down 17-12 with uh, about two minutes to go. And uh, that, that's all they needed. Donna gets the ball at about – it was at the Palmview 45-yard line, a bit of a short punt there. They take over. Adana Reyes gets the ball six carries in a row, six plays in a row. And uh, they run right up the gut, get all the way to down from the 45 to the five-yard line with about 30 seconds to go. And from the five-yard line, quarterback Luis Frias, I know we don't usually see a five-yard quarterback sneak, but he called his own number, uh, saw an opening uh, right above the center and right above that interior of the offensive line, and he snuck it in for a five-yard touchdown, man. Gave the ball back to Palmby with just a few seconds left in the game. They're not able to do anything, and Donna pulls out an 18-17 to 17 win for coach, uh, first-year head coach Mike Gonzalez uh, earned his first win as a head coach. So congratulations to him and congratulations to Donna to move into one and one on the year and uh, one and one in District 16 uh, 5A D1 action. So um, yeah, that wraps up the week. Like we said, uh, we had uh, five games or five five days with games this week. Just a loaded schedule, and uh, I mean it was fun to see. You know what I mean? We get football every day. Uh, as a sports fan, you can't ask for more. And this upcoming week, the schedule gets a little bit uh, more normal. We turn to a little bit of normalcy here. And we got the smaller schools starting their playoff journey, the class 2As through 4A schools. And then we got the 5A and 6A schools still slugging it out um, to get to those playoff spots where they, these small schools are now. So 
Um, let's start there, Andrew, uh, with some of these playoff matchups coming up. And we got a good one with uh, the district champions there in District 16 4A uh, D1. Absolutely. This is where I'll be on Thursday night. Uh, it's going to be the Hidalgo Pirates taking on the Alice Coyotes in Falfurius on Thursday night in the Class 4A D1 by district playoffs. I'm personally really excited for this one. Alice is known as a really competitive team here throughout South Texas. And I mean, they're one of the bigger teams throughout Class 4A in the entire state. Uh, if you'll recall, the Coyotes knocked out the Mercedes Tigers last year in the bi-district round of the Class 5A D2 playoffs. Um, so Hidalgo's kind of got an uphill battle here going up against just on paper what appears to be a much larger school um, based on just enrollment and, you know what I mean, the number of players you have to pull from and that sort of thing. Although I think if there's a Valley team that is uh, up to the challenge at the 4A level, it would be the Pirates. We touched on this earlier. They're coming off kind of a rough loss last week at Zapata. Um, but, you know, before that, the Pirates were giving up an average of 3.3 points a game. They're the only Valley team with multiple shutouts so far this season still. Um, so I wouldn't count them out just yet. I think this will be a very close game. I think regardless of the outcome, this will probably be the most even uh, sub-5A playoff matchup we see here in the bi-district round as far as Valley teams are concerned. Uh, so I'm certainly looking forward to see if the Pirates can pull it off. If they win, I believe it'll be their first trip to the area round of the playoffs since the 1990s. So certainly a tremendous amount to play for there uh, for the Pirates. They made it to the playoffs last year for the first time in several years, but lost in the bi-district round in a game at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Uh, so they will certainly be looking to take the next step there under fourth-year head coach Monty Stumball, who's had some success leading uh, smaller Valley programs to great heights on the gridiron. Um, if you will recall, Coach Stumball was the last Valley coach to take a Valley team to the state semifinals at any level. Uh, he did that with the Port Isabel Tarpons there in the early 2000s. Uh, and then just running quickly through the other sub-5A playoff games we've got this week featuring Valley games. Brian touched on this earlier, but the other one which was scheduled in Class 4A D1 for Thursday night between Korea and Cal Allen has unfortunately been canceled due to COVID-19 concerns uh, that Brian was able to verify for us. Uh, unfortunate way to end your season there through the Gators, but you end the season on a win, and as Brian said, you earn that playoff berth. So congratulations to those guys for all the hard work they put in. In other action, we have the Raymondville Bearcats taking on Divine at Buccaneer Stadium in Corpus Christi on Thursday night. In the Class 4A D2 playoffs, Raymondville gets into the playoffs because Port Isabel cancels the only district game those two had scheduled due to COVID concerns. Raymondville hasn't played in about a month, but the last time they did play, they took on a Class 5A opponent on a neutral field and won. So I will be interested to see how Raymondville comes out in that one. On Friday in the playoffs, we've got LaFaria Lions going on the road to take on Corpus Christi Miller at Cabinus Field in Corpus Christi. This should be a good one between two explosive offenses as Corpus Christi Miller quarterback Andrew Bodie, a uh, senior, is currently at eighth place all time in the Texas high school passing uh, record list. So 
certainly a lot to keep an eye on there, regardless of who comes out on top. And then the Zapata Hawks will travel to Alice to take on the Port Lavaca Calhoun Sand Crabs in one of the most interesting matchups, I think, of the Class 4A D1 by district rounds. Uh, Port Lavaca Calhoun, like Hidalgo, a team that likes to run the ball a whole lot and that's very good at it, um, certainly should be an interesting stylistic matchup there. And then we have Lavia taking on Freer in Class 2A D1 in the by district round. And then additionally on Saturday, we have Lyford taking on Palacios also at Buccaneer Stadium in Corpus Christi. That one set for a 7 p.m. kickoff. Lyford dropped uh, a narrow one in their district championship game this past week, but has put together a very impressive season so far. So we'll see if they can mount some sort of a playoff run. Uh, Brian, let's circle back to Thursday. I know there are a lot of Class 5A and Class 6A games on the docket that are intriguing, too. Why don't you tell us where you plan on being Thursday night? Yeah, we, uh, we got a couple of good Thursday games uh, going on. And uh, Westlake East, they faced Brownsville Pace last week. They got another tough test coming up. They got Brownsville Porter, uh, the 3-0 and Cowboys, against the 1-0 and Westlake East Wildcats. This should be a good one, man. We see uh, get to see – Bronzo Porter quarterback Kevin uh, Garcia, who is one of the best quarterbacks uh, in, in that area and has definitely shown why and what he's capable of as a, I mean, I, I don't think they've scored uh, less than uh, 27 points in, in a game this season. So that offense is buzzing and they're looking good, but they'll definitely have their work cut out uh, for him because uh, after West East win, uh, they, I know they won 44-34, but Coach Burgett was not happy with his defense. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Westco East uh, uh, looks uh, following up their win against Pace as they travel to take on Brownsville Porter. And then we only have one District 16-5A D2 matchup Thursday night. That is Ed Couch-Elsa at PSJ Memorial. Two teams who will be looking to bounce back. Ed Couch-Elsa, of course, coming off that loss to Mercedes uh, by 13 points. They'll be looking to get it in the win column in district play. And PSJ Memorial will be looking uh, to get in the win column just for the first time this year. Um, so uh, last time we saw PSG Memorial, they didn't have the best outing uh, uh, as they played uh, a really a powerhouse in Mercedes. So um, now they'll welcome the Yellow Jackets uh, to PSG ISD Stadium. So uh, that's what we got uh, on uh, coming up on Thursday's schedule at the 5A level. But uh, we got a couple other good 6A six, uh, six, uh, games, Andrew. I know uh, one of them's a district matchup and the other one's a non-district. Uh, what do we got Thursday? Absolutely. Uh, two big high-profile 6A games on Thursday. We'll start with one in 31-6A. This is a rivalry game with a lot on the line for both teams who are battling for a playoff spot as the Edinburgh North Cougars take on the Edinburgh High Bobcats. Edinburgh North improved to 2-1 and one last week with a big win over Econ um, to certainly keep pace there in 31-6A. Uh, if the playoffs started today in 6A, the Cougars would be in, the Bobcats would be out although they would both be hovering right on that four or five line. So this game could certainly play a big role in that. Edinburgh High had a bye last week after their game against Vela was postponed to COVID concerns. Um, so I would imagine, given the healthy state of that program and given two weeks to prepare, uh, that we ought to see a big effort put forth by the Bobcats to uh, come out on top in this rivalry matchup. And then the other big game we got Thursday night at the 6A level is the PSJ North Raiders traveling to take on the Donna North Chiefs. 
Uh, this is an interesting game that kind of came together last minute after some schedule reshuffling. Um, the Chiefs will be looking for the first win under uh, the tenure of first-year head coach Juan Cuevas, who comes over from Donna High. Uh, they've looked very uh, inspired these past couple weeks, I think. And I think Donna North is going to surprise somebody at some point this season. Um, you know, they had a tough go of it last week against Harlingen, although – that is uh, one of our top five teams in the RGBSports.com poll. I, I believe right now the Cardinals are sitting at number three or four. Um, but, I mean, they have looked like the team to beat in 32 success so far. So, no shame there for Donna North. They looked good against a couple other playoff teams, too, I thought. Ed couch and uh, they had some moments there against Harlem South as well. PSJ North will be looking to rebound after a tough loss at McGowan Memorial this past week. They're sitting at two and two right now, and like those two Edinburgh schools, kind of sit right on that uh, playoff line. Um, they went to the area round of the playoffs two years ago. They missed out on the playoffs by post uh, missed out on the postseason by a game last year. Um, so certainly those guys are inspired to get back there, and this game will be a big step for them. Then Friday night we have another full slate, and I will be at our game of the week, the Monitors game of the week on Friday night, which is a big-time duel in 32-6A between those Harlingen High Cardinals we were just talking about and the West Co. High Panthers. Both these teams have looked sharp so far. West Co. High has only played in that one game, which we were talking about a little earlier. Harlingen High on the other side, we mentioned, they've outscored their opponents 110-12 so far, um, and they have a couple marquee wins against – a playoff team last year in McGowan Memorial. Um, and, of course, they shut out their rival Harlingen South in the Bird Bowl, which is no small feat either. Um, this one should carry a lot of significance with it because if Harlingen High wins, they clinch 32-6A's West Zone title and a spot in the district championship game. If Westlaco High wins, they move to 2-0 and in district, and they would have to beat Donna North the following week to secure that 32-6A West Zone title and a spot in the district championship game as well. So certainly a lot to play for there in that one. Um, and then the other 32-6 game, 32-6A game uh, going on Friday night will pit Harlingen South Hawks against the Los Fresnos Falcons, two teams who lost in kind of disappointing fashion last week who both certainly need a big win in order to keep pace uh, and secure a spot in one of those uh, district uh, play-in game games later on uh, come December. Brian, we've got some interesting 5A games on uh, Friday night as well. Why don't you tell us about what you're looking forward to? Yeah, uh, and uh, hopefully we get some good uh, Friday night games. Uh, Rio Grande City uh, right now is currently scheduled to host uh, Laredo Cigaroa in District 14 5A D1 action. But, of course, that is uh, up in the air as uh, Rio Grande City was forced to cancel last week's game against San Antonio Southside due to COVID concerns within their football program. Um, so, yeah, um, if they do play, I'll be on Rio Grande City checking out the, the Rattlers. But hopefully they can get on the field and hopefully they can uh, pick up the, their first win of the year. So that one uh, remains up in the air. Um, but hopefully things go well. And then uh, in District 65A D1, Brownsville Lopez at Brownsville Veterans. Um, yeah, people might be surprised at Brownsville Veterans 0-2 uh, in district play. Uh, so is Brownsville Lopez. So somebody's going to get their first district win. That's going to be interesting to see 
who emerges victorious uh, in that one. And then uh, just quickly at the Taps level, we got Brownsville, St. Joseph, hosting St. Anthony. And then uh, did you touch on uh, that 31-6A matchup we got Friday night? That's the, the one big thing we forgot to mention there. Uh, the number one team in our RGBsports.com top ten poll, the Edinburgh Vale Sabercats, they are set to make their return to the field on Friday night for a rivalry game against the Edinburgh Economides Jags. Economides, uh, they've dropped three district games in a row, so certainly a lot to play for on that side coming into this one as they strive to make their first playoff appearance in several years. Uh, on the flip side, this is Vela's first game since that impressive season opening win against Mission Veterans. Uh, I'm sure they will be pumped up and inspired to play uh, football. I know they've been kind of chomping at the bit to get back out there. They officially hit the practice field again on Monday of this week, so they will have a full week of prep time leading up to this game. Um, I would certainly expect some fireworks from the Vela side. Uh, they looked sharp in week one against a talented Mission Veterans team. Um, and I would expect them to be eager to prove why they hold that number one spot in our top ten poll for now. Um, and then we have actually three big Saturday games this week between Class 5A and 6A teams in the Rio Grande Valley, starting with one of the Valley's premier rivalry games that Brian will be at. I'll leave it to him to tell you all about it. Yeah, we've got the Battle of Conway uh, between Mission Veterans and uh, Mission High. And uh, originally, back in February, this was on the schedule. Then uh, COVID came, uh, threw off everybody's schedules. So they weren't scheduled to play this classic rivalry game there in the city of Mission. But now, uh, thankfully, Mission Veterans, Mission High, scheduled to lock horns uh, Saturday afternoon. Then that is a 12 p.m. kickoff at Tom Landry Hall of Fame Stadium. And um, it's going to be uh, interesting to see, man. Mission High has looked like the powerhouse that they are this year. Uh, they're rolling led by quarterback Jeremy Duran. And uh, Mission Veterans, uh, they've, they've dropped two in a row now uh, in, in this rivalry. So they'll be looking to bounce back. Uh, quarterback Ricky Arena, of course, uh, last year in his first taste of the rivalry, that was his first start as a varsity quarterback. Now he's got uh, plenty of starts under his belt. It'll be interesting to see how Mission Veterans attacks Mission High and vice versa, how Mission High attacks uh, this Mission Veterans defense. So I'm uh, really looking forward to it. We get to see some of the best playmakers in the in the Valley in this one, guys who um, have uh, been – who have thrown touchdown passes to each other in Jeremy Duran and A.J. Gonzalez. So now they're going to be on, uh, on opposite sides of the field. But, uh, man, it, it's been cool to, just to see this rivalry and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a fun one. Uh, no matter who emerges victorious, man, these games are always fun. So really excited to see this one uh, f uh, Saturday afternoon, a little bit of college football feel uh, to it. And then we got two big uh, District 16 5A uh, D D1 matchups. Andrew, why don't you start with the one that you're going to be at? Absolutely. Well, before I get to that real quick, just to circle back to that Mission Mission Vets game, I'm excited to see, like you were saying, that explosive Mission Vets offense go up against that really stingy mission high defense that ought to be in in my mind the, the matchup to watch this week in the valley uh because you have that mission vets offense that scored 50 points their last time out and a mission high defense that didn't give up any the last time they were on the field so certainly something's got to give there but it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out but like you were saying two big 16 5a d1 games also saturday afternoon um i will be at the first one of these two between Row Warriors visiting 
the Donna High Redskins. Um, I'm excited for this one because, like we were talking about, after their exciting wins these past two weeks, uh, there's certainly all of a sudden a lot to play for in this one. I mean, there was before, but now you could potentially be looking at sole possession of first place in this district. Or, I mean, in this west zone of this district for the winner of this game. Um, certainly, Donna High will be looking to ride that momentum from – uh, a late game win while Roe will look to make it a three game winning streak uh, and keep it rolling. Uh, they've kind of been the road warriors these past couple of seasons. So we'll see if they can notch one on the road uh, at Donham. And then the last game of the day, Saturday will be another 16, five a D one matchup between the La Jolla Palmview Lobos and the McAllen Memorial Mustangs in a game that is, Sure to feature a lot of running. These are two teams that are infamous for running the football. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you could count the number of passes on one or two hands in this one, but certainly some very talented backs that we should see, including but not limited to Palmview's Carlos Pena and McGowan Memorial's Andrew Salinas. Uh, Brian, what are you going to be looking for in that one? Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, this is will be Palmview's third game. Uh, of the season, I know they're on this weird schedule where they're playing uh, Wednesdays and Mondays, and now here they are with a Saturday game. So they're going to get a, a, a little bit of rest uh, in, in them, and then we'll see how they look against uh, McAllen Memorial team who has impressed uh, this season. Big win over, over McAllen High uh, where they show that they can come back and uh, come from behind. And then, of course, uh, they pick up a big win over PSG North last week. So uh, McAllen Memorial – um, people thought they would take a step back, but here they are winning games, back to their winning ways. And Palmview will look to get uh, their first win of the season. So, uh, yeah, anytime, like you said, you can see Carlos Pena play, you're always in for a treat. So um, if you got, uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, actually it's 5 p.m., so it's kind of midday there, uh, early evening. Uh, throw on uh, Palmview and McCown Memorial, man, and treat yourself to some good RGB football. And so, yeah, we're, we're excited. Uh, we got uh, another loaded week coming up of football. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited to bring you coverage of everything we got going on. Um, you can follow us on uh, social media, on Facebook and on Twitter, at rgbsports.com. And you can see, see all our uh, daily stories, our features, stats and standings, uh, everything we got, not just for football, but for volleyball and cross country. And, uh, yeah, we're just uh, excited for everything we got coming up. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a jam-packed season so far, and uh, the way things are looking, it's only going to get more intense as we go on. So thank you all for joining us and uh, being along for the ride this year. And We certainly hope you stick around, as I'm sure this season starts to intensify with the beginning of the playoffs this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, and keep an eye out for all of our stories and features and stats and whatnot, like Brian was saying. We'll be at a lot of games this week, so be sure to check early and often as uh, we'll bring you guys the latest and greatest from all things uh, high school football in the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. And, uh, yeah, catch us out there at, at your stadium this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next time.